Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Hi, this is Rachel Berkovitz coming to you from Jerusalem. This is Unit 8, where we're learning through the Mishnayot of Masechet Pesachim. Last time we finished the first chapter, and we saw that the rabbis wanted to focus on the very positive aspects of human ingenuity and um, creativity and engineering, the capability of taking raw materials and making leavened bread, and also sort of the negative aspect where that human hubris could get away and a need to acknowledge that the root and the source of them are the same, that they all come from the divine. The second chapter is going to continue with the focusing on the chametz, and it's going to expand this idea of sort of what the challenges are with uh, human ingenuity and um, the challenges are for us in understanding the mitzvah of chametz. And it's going to add a new dimension into the mix. Last chapter, we saw that we knew we had to remove chametz from our house and we knew that there reached a point where we weren't going to be allowed to eat chametz anymore. And our Mishnah now is going to add into not only are we not going to be able to eat chametz anymore, but there's going to be something else we're not going to be able to do. So let's jump right in. Chapter 2, Mishnah 1 says, Kol sha'ah shumutar le'echol, ma'achil le'behimah le'chaya ve'la'ofot, u'mochro le'nachri u'mutar bahanato. All the time, all the hours, right? And remember, we're talking about the specific, let's say, the hours on the 14th, where up until the point where the beginning of the um, sixth hour, where I'm allowed to eat, I can also, if I'm allowed to eat as a human being, I can also use this chametz to feed animals, whether it's domesticated cattle, undomesticated animals, or birds. I can also sell it to a nochri, to a non-Jew. I can sell the chametz to a non-Jew. And I'm permitted to enjoy it, to get benefit from it. And this issue of benefiting, and enjoying chametz is going to be the main topic of our chapter. And it's laid out here, um, essentially. We saw in the first chapter, the first Mishnah laid out the concept of like where humans bring chametz, how they use chametz, how they interact with their worlds. And we talked about the creation of the human world. Um, and here we're, we're being told that the main topic that we're going to talk about is human enjoyment of the world. And that's going to be our focus. Now, and that there's going to be a link. The moment I have to cease eating, I have to cease enjoying. Now, obviously, enjoying and eating go hand in hand, right? One of the things, one of the things about human beings, we eat to survive, but we also eat because we enjoy it. And eating is an ultimate type of human enjoyment and experience, a positive experience in this world. But not only do human beings enjoy eating, there are other people who eat too, and those are animals. And those are human possessions. Human beings have possessions and we have animals. And a benefit, it's, a, it's not an enjoyment for that say, but a benefit that we get is that we can use the schametz to feed our animals because we want our livestock to grow because we ultimately want to eat it or get milk from it or make cheese from it, right? So we're allowed, another benefit we can have is that we can feed it to our animals. And then interestingly, we there's another way that human beings interact with the world. There's these people that are called not Jews. And we interact with them as well. We buy and sell things. We probably buy and sell things with Jews as well. But another way we benefit from our chametz is we can make money off of it. We can sell our possessions and other people can benefit by buying it. 
And the whole time that we're allowed to eat, we can sell to a nohri. And this is a little bit of an innovation in this Mishnah because there are Tanaitic um, views that are found in the Tosefta. I think that um, Bechame is one of them, who thinks you could only sell to a nohri, could only sell to a non-Jew if you know that he's going to consume the chametz before the time where chametz is usher. Right? This view in the Mishnah seems to imply you could sell it to him and he might eat it three days into Pesach and it wouldn't be your concern. And that's going to be clearly the view of the Mishnah. But in some ways, that's a radical view because there was a view that felt, no, it has to be eradicated, right? If I have the Beit Shammai view that I talked about in the first chapter, that I have to get rid of it, right? And there's a Pasuk that says, you know, that uh, that I'm not supposed to have chametz, it applies for citizens and like uh, strangers, right? We can we can claim that those are converts, but essentially, possibly it was that, that uh, that it was supposed to be gotten rid of in in all the in all the land, and so maybe I shouldn't be able to sell it to a non-Jew if I know that it's not going to be gotten rid of when he has it and he's going to eat it on Pesach, right? Our Mishnah says yes, that's considered getting rid of it enough. We don't care what he does. Whereas there were Tanaitic views that cared what he did, and you could only sell it if he wasn't going to eat it. And right here, the introduction of the non-Jew is interesting, right? If we talk about Pesach as being this. The, the birth of a nation, right? Right now we're talking about an identity marker. There's me, the Jew, and there's the other, the non-Jew, right? And and Pesach is what turned me into a nation and gave me this identity so that there could be another. So another way that I enjoy is that I sell things. And then I say that as a category, it is permissibly to get enjoyment or benefit from my chametz in whatever way that might be. And we're actually going to see later on in a chapter ways that you could use chametz to get benefit as well. Then the Mishnah says, Avars mano, asur bahanato. Once the time passes, and here the time is referring to the time when I need to burn it, it now is forbidden for me to get any benefit from it. I could sell it beforehand, I could eat it beforehand, and it might have thought that once I have to burn it and I can't eat it, now I can't get any benefit of, from it. I, it and it, then it adds a layer. Velo yasikbo tanor vakirayan. What's another benefit that I might have thought I could have used it for? I might have thought I could use it for fuel, right? And this is another thing that human beings get enjoyment from in the world. They heat up their homes. They heat up their homes to cook things, and they heat up their homes so they're warm and not cold. So I might have thought that I could have used the chometz as fuel, but I can't because I can't get any benefit from it. And this links us to the comparison we had made with the truma, because truma that was pasul, you are allowed to use for fuel and you are allowed to get benefit from it, right? And so you might have thought, okay, this 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 chametz, I, I maybe just the way I could burn the 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 shem and truma in the nair and in in burning it, I can get benefit from it. You might have thought I can burn the chametz in my stove and as I'm burning it, I could get benefit from it. No, you cannot do that. In some ways, chametz is more stringent than Tame Truma in that sense. And Tame Truma is going to come up for us again in our chapter as well. Um, so you can't even get any benefit from using it as firewood or as fuel. And now we say, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Ein biyur chametz ela srefa, v'chachamim omrim, af ha-mefarer v'zorer la-ruach liyam. Now we discuss a dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and the chachamim, and the whole way through Rabbi Yehuda has been disagreeing with the chachamim, right? Um, of how is it that I'm supposed to eradicate and I'm supposed to remove the chametz, right? Chapter one solely focused on the way that I can eradicate it and remove it by burning it. That's We thought that was the only way. And that was very important in chapter one because it wanted us to connect the burning 
to the burning of Kochim, to be the burning of, of sacrifices when they had passed their time. And to compare the passing of the time of the Chametz to the passing of the time of the sacrifice. Here we find out that that view that was presented as the majority view in chapter one is really, uh, uh, is just really Rabbi Yehuda's view. That he thinks that the only way to eradicate and remove Chametz is with burning. And here all the, um, the, the there's a Midrash Halakha, the, the Brighton and the Gemara says because he associates it with Notar, because he associates it with the rule of Korbanot that have passed their time and need to be burnt. And we clearly saw that in the first chapter. The Chachamim, on the other hand, they have a different view. They say you could burn it, but there's other ways to eradicate it. And he, they suggest two. I could crumble it up, right? Let's say it's like dry bread. I could crumble it up and let the wind blow it away. Or I could throw it into the sea. And here probably they mean the Dead Sea, right? Where the, where the, where the salt would corrode it. It just says sea, so maybe any sea, because we have other places where they specifically say Yam HaMelech. Um, and they offer other ways to get rid of it. Now, what's interesting about the language that the Chachamim here used is we are familiar with eradicating things in this way um, from another example. There is something else in the world of the rabbis that we cannot have, and when we have it in our possession, we need to eradicate it. And that is, and this fits a little bit with the beginning of our Mishnah, Avodah Zarah. That is the, the accoutrements, the, the utensils that other people who worship other gods use to worship other gods. And if somehow those would come into our possession, we are forbidden to get any benefit from them whatsoever, and we must eradicate them. And there in the Mishnah of Ovodazara, the rabbis say, hey, there's two ways you can eradicate these avizarim, these kelim, these utensils of idol worship. You could grind them up and have them blow in the wind. Or you can throw them in the sea. And that is a method of eradication. And so what's interesting here about this machloket between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim of saying, I have these different models. When I want to eradicate my chametz, I have two different models I can use. Rabbi Yehuda says, I can use the model that I use with, with kochim that becomes tameh, with holy th consecrated things that become tameh and I need to burn them. And the Chachamim says, I can use the model of Avodah Zarah of idol worship, and I need to get rid of it. And so what is using these different models for Hametz lead us to? I think that this links us to exactly some of the themes we saw in the first chapter. If Hametz is the personification of the example of human ingenuity, of human creativity, right? Human creativity has a positive and a negative, right? Rabbi Yehuda represents the positive side. It has a side that's similar to Kochim, that is sanctified, that is the ultimate the ultimate dedication to the divine of taking the, the things the divine have, have given us and elevating them, right? That's what Kedusha is, elevating things, right? We take nature and we elevate it and we sanctify it by making bread. On the other hand, we also talked about the, the negative side to Chavetz that could be human hubris, right? And that's similar to, right, if I, if I start to worship myself, if I start to think that I am a god, that all my creativity, that it doesn't come from the source, doesn't come from the divine, but it's because of who I am. Right? That's a type of Avodah Zarah. And that's that other side of, that's that negative side of Chamet. And the rabbis here are, are putting a finger on that and saying, that aspect, I, I get rid of it. I eradicate it in the same way that I eradicate Avodah Zarah by being able to crumble it up and let the wind blow it away or by being able to um, throw it in the sea. And so here in this Machlokan, we have these two sides, right? Both agree that we're eradicating Chamet at this moment on Erev Pesach. 
But the, the model they use for it is it, it, it like sort of represents these two positive and negative sides of chametz. Okay. And, and within that sort of tension, we're going to discuss this topic of hana'a, of enjoyment and how human beings enjoy the world, which I think can also have positive and negative sides as well. So in a moment, we will continue with this theme of um, enjoyment and we will see something about the relation, this discussion of the relationship between Jews and non-Jews on Pesach and Erev Pesach in which their summit is going to continue in the next Mishnah. Thank you to our Pardes faculty and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.